All right, Shabbos, say good morning, good morning. Let us begin, Baruch Hashem, a lot to do today. Begin by thanking our sponsors, the Torah sponsors, for the month of Tishrei. To thank Dr. Linda Weinberg, Sarah, and Ricky Gratz, Julia, Rina, and Eve, in loving memory of husband, father, Zayda, Dr. Paul Weinberg, Peretz, Moshe, Ben Avram, David. To thank Ayal and Sarah Steinberg for dedicating the Sherman this month in the Schuss of Rafur Shalema for Shulamis Bas Susha. To thank Adam and Yudi Benzev for dedicating the Shurim this month and the schuz of all of our Tilos being this Gabal. Our week of learning sponsors, Greg and Rachel Levitan, in commemoration of the first yard site of Greg's mother, Esther Bas Herschel, and in honor of the incredible organization Renewal. To thank our Dafyomi sponsors, Menachem and Susie Schoenfeld, in appreciation of the Kehila, Gabi Kohn, Maishi Abramson, Avran Elbaum, the, Bal- the Balik Kriya, Shani Tapper, Alana Levinson, Jonas and Kaplan, and all those who contributed their time and effort so that we can enjoy a truly inspirational and uplifting Yom Tov. Amen, amen. And we'll say, with that, let that, let us, let us begin. So we'll say, so we are picking up. Today's daf is Sadiq Gimel. 93, 93, and I said, we left off at the Mishnah. We left off at the Mishnah. So I say, so really incredible, incredible sugi today. Here we go, 93. Someone who is married to three women, umes. No surprise there, right? So, so, so again, so, 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 so the Mishnah says as follows. So someone who was married to three women and he died. Now, I say, now in this case over here, Right, he died. Obviously, he's married to all three women at once, and he he dies. So what's the halacha? Now, we'll say, now this is a fascinating case. Now, each wife had a different value of a ksuva. So just for our purposes, let's call it again. The first wife has a has a ksuva of a hundred zuz. Second wife of two hundred zuz. Third wife of three hundred zuz. Now, ah, here's the problem. Now, I will say now, the estate only leaves behind the mana. Leaves behind the hundred zuz. So the shayla, of course, is, how do we go ahead and distribute the property? So what's the halacha? Cholkin b'shava. Ultimately, we just split up the, we split up the one mana equally. Equally, so everybody gets 33.3 zuzim from the one mana, from the one mana that is left in the estate. Okay, so that, that, that's a basic case. That's a basic case. Three different ksuvas, 100, 200, 300, only 100 zuz left in the estate. Take the 100 zuz, divide it equally between the three wives. Now, both say, a couple of important qualifications in this Mishnah. If you take a look at Rashi, Rashi says, almost right across in Rashi, and I both say, this is a case of where all three ksuvas are dated on the same date. He married all three of these women on the same day. Now I say, now again, it has to be that way, right? Because if it's not that way, then what's ta'alacha? Then what's ta'alacha? Obviously, the earlier the ksuva, the earlier the claim, right? So it has to, in other words, anytime we're talking about three women sharing equally in the pool of the estate, it must be that they were married on the same day. And I will say, now the truth is, remember, it doesn't actually have to mean he married them on the same day. It just means that the ksuva is dated on the same day. So remember again, you could construct a case where you have ksuvas dated on the same day, even if marriages, even if marriages happened on different days, but we don't have to get into that right now. 
The point, the point that we have is, from a lean perspective, even though the value of the three ksubas is different, 100, 200, 300, the date is the same for all of them, so therefore all of them effectively have the same lean, right, of the, on the estate. Good. So, Cholkos B'Shave, Rashi says over here, Shari Koach Shloshton Shave B'Shibud Mane Tebekulu Ikamana. And I both say, when you read this, it sounds strange, right, that all three of them, that all three of them split the first mana. After all, again, we would assume that the one who has a Ksuba of 300 should have a higher, should have a higher, not higher, but should have a greater, a greater... Percentage. Yeah, percentage, or at least a greater... Grip on the, here's what we're going to see is, all of them have that same claim on the 100. That's really what happens over here. Because we will say, since all of them share a common denominator, that's what? They all have a ksuva, that's what? That's what? That is worth at least 100. So therefore, in that first 100, right, both wife 1, 2, and 3 all have the same claim. Okay, good. Therefore, they split that first 100 equally. Hayushamasayim. What happens? If there's 200 zuz in the estate. So same case, same case. Ruvain married to three women, right? Wife one, wife two, wife three. And therefore again, but this case, same case. Wife one, ksuva of 100. Wife two, ksuva of 200. Wife three, ksuva of 300. And now there's 200 zuz left in the estate. So what's talachon? So the Gemara says, Shalmana no telas chamishim, shamasayim v'shal shlosh me'oz shlosha shlosha. So we'll say, interestingly enough, the way this will work is like this. Wife number one gets 50 zuz, 50 zuz. Wives number two and three both get 75 zuz apiece. 75 zuz apiece. The Gemara will go through how we arrive, how we arrive at these numbers. So the Gemara says, good. I'm sorry. Shlosha, shlosha, shalzav. Good. Hayusham shloshmeos. What happens? So I'll say, so again, so case two, there's 200 zoos in the estate. If there's 200 zoos, wife one gets 50, wives two and three get 75 each for a total of 200. Again, we'll discuss how we get to those numbers. What happens now if there's 300 zoos in the estate? We'll say, same case, wife one has a ksuva of 100, wife two a ksuva of 200, wife three a ksuva of 300, and now again, there's 300 zoos in the estate. What's talacha? Shamana, no telas chamishim. So the wife who has a ksuva of 100 zoz, she ultimately gets 50 zoz. She gets her 50 zoz. V'shama sayim mana, the wife who has a ksuva of 200 zoz, gets a, excuse me, 100. V'shal shlosh me'os, shisha shal zav. And the wife who has a ksuva of 200 zoz, sorry, 300 zoz, she collects 150 zoz from the estate. So in this case, the distribution will be 50 50, 100, 150. The Chin Gimel, so those are the halachas. Those are the halachas. Now the Gimishta just says, the Chin Gimel Shetil Kis. Now both say, we're going to spend a good amount of time on this case because the truth is, this is absolutely riveting. These same halachas apply in business. Now both say, this is a very common situation. Gimel Shetilu Likis. Now both say, what happens if halacha lemaisa, three people, Ruvain, Shimon, and Levi, invested in a business together. Invest in the business together. And what happens? Well, say, let's say they, they invested differing amounts. Differing amounts. Ruben invested 100 zuz. Shimon invested, let's just keep it parallel to the Ksuva cases. Right, Shimon invested 200 zuz and Levi invested 300 zuz. So the Mishnah says, Pichsu Now we'll have to see what this means, but what it sounds like is, 
if the business made money or lost money, kach heim cholkin. Kach, now we'll say, again, all of these words are a little bit ambiguous, but it sounds like what the Mishnah is saying is that profit or loss sharing ratios are based on what? Based on what? Amounts of investment. Amounts of investment. So the amount you share in the profits, the amount you share in the loss is fundamentally tethered to the amount of money you invested into the business. Okay, we're going to come back to We're going to talk about that business case because it's, it's absolutely riveting. But let's start with the Ksuva. Gemara. Shamana no telas chanishin. Tlasin, tlasin, v'tilsa hu de islay. So we'll say, the Gemara says like this. Let's go to the first case. Right, in case number one. So ultimately, again, Reuven is married to three women. Wife A, Ksuva of 100. Wife B, Ksuva of 200. Wife C, Ksuva of 300. In case number one, I will say, in the, the, there's one mana, there's one mana, ultimately in the estate. So what's the halacha? Cholkin b'shaveh. Cholkin b'shaveh. In case number two, in case number two, ultimately again, so I'll say, Cholkin b'shaveh. So, the, the the way it's said, I was saying again. I'm sorry. Let me just. So the way the way it the way it's said, cholki meshava. Good. So the Gemara says, well, cholki meshava would mean what? Would mean what? Thirty three point three for each wife. But yet, I was saying, if you look in case number two, so case number one just says they split it equally, but it doesn't say what. It doesn't say what. How they're splitting it. In case number two where the Mishnah says there's 200 zoos left in the estate. So ultimately, again, it says what? It says that in the first mana, wife number one takes 50, right? So I said, which sounds like they're, again, splitting the first mana. But if you're splitting the first mana, doesn't that require a chaluka of 33.3 zoos per woman? Where do you get 50? To which the Gemara says, Amr Shmuel, Bekoseves Balos Masayun, the Balos Mana, Din udvarim ainly imech b'mana. Interesting. So we'll say, so Shmuel is saying, what's the case? The case is where the wife with the ksuva of 200 zuz writes to the wife of the ksuva of 100 zuz, I have no claim on the first mana of the estate. Interesting. Well, if she has no claim on the first mana of the estate, that means that there are only two women claiming the first mana of the estate. We'll call it wife one and wife three. And that's why we'll split it literally 50 50. 50 zuz, 50 zuz. Okay. Ihaki ima seifa. I will say, but again, then look at the last case of the Mishnah. Shama sayim vishal shlosh meos shalosh shalosh shal zahav. So we'll say, so then again, in the last case of the Mishnah, ultimately, again, we were talking about where each of the wives gets 150 zuz. Temala hasalakta nafshach mina. Why doesn't it claim back again to wife number two? You removed yourself from this zuz. Ultimately, again, the only thing I removed myself was from the first mana, but I did not remove myself from any of the other manos. Okay? Remember again, last case in the Mishnah, if there was 300 zuz, 300 zuz left in the estate. So remember again, how do we deal with that one? How do we deal with that one? So we'll say, so ultimately, wife number one gets 50, right? Wife number two and wife number three get 150 each. So it says the Gemara. So, Shamasayim Mane. I don't understand the wife, wife number two, she gets 100. Why did she get 100? She should really get 75 if we're dividing everything. Amr Shmuel. So we'll say once again, Shmuel says, what's the case? The case is where the wife with the 300 Zuz Ksuba 
the wife with the 300 Zuzuksuva um, writes to the wife of the 200 Zuzuksuva and the 100 Zuzuksuva, I have no claim on the first mana with you. So, sure. so wife of 300 Zuzuksuva is removing herself from the first mana. And I both say, why she's doing that is irrelevant, but she's doing that. So therefore, Rabbi Yaakov Minar called Mishid Ravina Amar Reisha Bishteit Fisos, Uvesefa Bishteit Fisos. So what's that comes on of Yaakov of Narpakot said the name of Ravina? The truth is both the Reisha and the Seifa are talking about literally Tfisa means to, to take money, to seize money. What it means is that the funds are becoming available for collection in two different intervals. So here we go. Reisha Bishteit Fisos. What is it Reisha Bishteit Fisos? The Noflu Shivin Vechamisha Bechadzimna. So what's that is very interesting. 75 Zos, 75 Zos became available at once. Now, both say, when 75 Zuz becomes available at once, they split that equally. And then another 125 Zuz becomes available separately as well. Then I will say, ultimately, again, that will also, so 75 of that will divide up equally, and the remainder of that amount will go to wives two and three. Sefer b'shtet tfisos. Similarly, again, the sefer, the second part of the Mishnah, is also talking about again Rabbi where the money becomes available for collection at two different intervals. So ultimately, seventy-five zuz becomes available at once, and therefore, when seventy-five zuz becomes available at once, it's divided equally between all three women. And then what? And then ultimately, again, 200, 225 Zuz becomes available at once as well. So the Gemara says, Tanya, Zu Mishnas Rabbi Nasan. All of this is Rabbi Nasan's opinion. We'll say, here we go. And this is perhaps the most important line of the Sugya. Rabbi Omer, Ein Ani Roedvarsh Rabbi Nasan, Be'elu, sorry, Be'elu Elochokos Bishavah. Rebbe says, no, no, no. You're wrong. You're wrong. The halacha over here is that women in general split equally. Now I will say, let's talk about this for just a moment because this is a fascinating halacha. Let me tell you outside for just a moment. The way that the Rambam Paskins is as follows. Let's talk about an ideal case. What's an ideal case? What's an ideal case? Right? Where husband dies and there's enough money in the estate to satisfy all of the ksuvas. Now again, I will say, remember again, there's a number of criteria to remember in this case. This is a very specific case. All three ksuvas are dated, same date. We're going to talk about the last Mishnah on Ahmed Bez, which we'll get to today, Mir Hashem. So again, we're going to talk about where he marries wives at different intervals. So one wife has an earlier ksuva, a later ksuva. So obviously, if the dates are, are incredible, right? If you have, what's the word? Different dated ksuvas. So the earlier the date, the precedence you have in collecting your ksuva. So again, we're setting up a case over there's no precedence. All three ksuvas dated the same date, okay? That's crazy. That's issue number one. Issue number two, different, different amounts in the ksuva. Different amounts. Again, wife one 100, wife two 200, wife three 300. In a perfect world, Ruben dies. In a perfect world, Ruben dies. There's enough money in the estate to satisfy all three ksuva debts. Beautiful. Done. Distribute. We're done. What's unique about this case? Not enough money in the estate. Not enough money in the estate. So now it's interesting as, as follows. So the Mishnah seems to set up a situation when, when there's not enough money in the estate, so we're going to go ahead and start dividing things up in different ways. So I will say, just, just show you the, the, the way the Mishnah is structured logically. 
the way we look at money is we look at it in units of 100 because that's the way the Mishnah is set up. So you've got a, a, a first case is a, a, an estate that has 100 zoos, second case is an estate that has 200 zoos, third case is an estate that has 300 zoos. And I will say, when we look at that, we look at each zoos and see what level of claim do each of the women have on the zoos. So for example, on the first 100 zoos, who has a claim on the first 100 zoos? Who has that claim? All of them. Right, because remember again, everyone has a minimum tzuv of at least 100 zuz. When you work your way up, who has a claim on the second 100 zuz? Wives two and three, right? Who has a claim on 300 zuz? Right, you're the only wife three. So when you look at it that way, I will say that's how the Mishnah is approaching it. Comes up, so we work through this whole sugya, and that's why the Mishnah has to kind of come up because the numbers don't really work if that's how you look at it. That's how the Mishnah comes up with these ideas. No, we're talking about a case where wife number two said to wife number three, wife, sorry, wife number two said to wife number one, I have no claim on the first 100. So she's removing. So comes along Rebbe and says, stop, 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 stop. That's not how distribution works. If there's enough money in the estate to pay out all the ksuvas, fantastic. The moment there's not enough money in the estate to pay for the ksuvas, the default is split equally. Split equally. And I will say that's how you pass Allah Chalamaisa. So there's not so therefore again in a case like this, where you have three wives, right? One is owed hundred, one is owed two hundred, one is owed three hundred. Salah Chalamaisa Ruvain dies, there's three hundred Zuz left in the estate, a hundred Zuz per wife. That, that's what we're going to do. We're not going to start getting into, we're not going to start getting into figuring out hundreds of, because we will say essentially we can't look at an estate like that. We just look at the estate as a whole. No, it's not enough money to satisfy the debt. Split everything equally. That's the halacha lamaisa. Next. So I will say, so now let's see the impact of this on business. Because on business, this is a really riveting case. Take a look. Remember again, what the Mishnah said, what the Mishnah said, I don't, see, I don't think I printed this. Okay, I'll look it up. Because what the Mishnah said, I will say, was as follows. So the Mishnah says, so too, you have three people, three right, Reuben, Shimon, and Levi, who put money into a pot for business. So the Lashon of the Mishnah was what? If the business, if they made money, lost money, this is how they divide up profit and losses. And we assume, what is, this is how, this is how, in accordance with their investment, that's how they're splitting up profits and losses. I will say, here we go. Amr Shmuel, listen to this case. So Reuven and Shimon invested in a business. Reuven put in 100 zuz. Shimon put in 200 zuz. Amr Beis. Amr Beis. So I will say, incredible. What's Haskar Emsa? They split profit and loss equally. Equally. Now, we'll say, now, you're going to see, we're going to see what's the logic. So again, even though their investment amounts are different, they're going to split profits and losses equally. So let's analyze. Omar Rabba. Rabba says, Mistabra lecharisha. So we'll say, this is incredible. When does this make sense? When does this make sense? This makes sense if Reuben and Shimon are, are partnering to purchase an ox for plowing together. Sirabo said, listen to this. If you're purchasing an ox for plowing, then everyone's investment is just as important. And I was about to say, imagine this just a moment, right? So the, the ox is 300 zos. The ox is 300 zos. So Ruben invests 200. Shimon invests 100. 
Is Shimon's investment any less important than Ruvain's? Is it any less important? No. Why? Because he can't get the ox without Shimon's investment. The fact that Shimon invested less does not make his investment any less critical to have an ox for plowing purposes. So I both say, so this is fascinating. So because, so because his investment is no less critical, he's looked at in halacha as a 50-50 partner. I both say, now I just want to put a caveat over here. This is assuming, of course, that there was no partnership agreement to the contrary, right? If Reuben and Shimon go into business together, and ultimately they have an equity partnership, so therefore, again, in the partnership agreement, it says, our profits and losses will be split along equity lines. Okay, as they say, there's nothing to talk about anymore because we've gone ahead and we have, we have, we have we papered that. This is talking about in the absence of an agreement. In the absence of an agreement. But it's such a fascinating idea. Essentially, what Aloha says is, do we look at your investment as crucial? How do you define crucial? How do you define crucial? If I didn't make it, if I didn't make it, ultimately, again, would the results still be intact? So in this case, Ruben invests 100, 200, Shimon invests 100 for the purchase of an ox for plowing. If Shimon did not make his investment, would ultimately the ox be plowing? The answer is no. So because of that, his investment is crucial, is crucial, indispensable, and therefore the halacha looks at him as a 50-50 partner. When your investment is an indispensable part of the result of the partnership, Halacha looks at you as a 50-50 partner in the endeavor. Incredible, incredible. However, however, says Rava, however, but I say, if Halacha, let's listen to this. If let's say they bought, right, they bought a shor, but now ultimately again, they're going to go, take a look at Rashi. Rashi. They bought together, right? They bought an ox to plow. The Kharshin, the ain Chelko Shalzeh, Moil below Chelko Shalzeh Klum. And I will say, here's the Chah. Ruvain's portion doesn't mean anything without Shimon's investment. Therefore, Hilchach, Cholkin Beshava. So I will say, so this is, so Rabbi comes along. However, now back to the Gemara. Aval, Beshala Kharisha Vamil Tricha, Zeno Talafima Osav, Zeno Talafima Osav. Rabbi said, watch this. If they go ahead and they bought a shard to plow, but then they decide, you know what? Let's barbecue. Let's barbecue. And so what do they do? They chef the shard. Then they both say, everyone what? Everyone takes in accordance with their investments. Now that makes sense. Why? Why? Because here you're literally physically dividing up the animal. So when you're physically dividing up the animal, there is a way to allocate 200 zoos to Ruvain and 100 zoos to Shimon. So I will say, you hear the distinction? When the partnership, essentially, when the partnership is in a dynamic activity, dynamic activity could only occur because of the investment of both of them. I, one invested more, one invested less, that is true. But Lamaisa, one's investment would be meaningless without the other. Then Halacha Lamaisa, they share in profits and losses equally. However, again, when we're actually talking about physically dividing something up, then you can divide up in accordance with financial investment. So if they're now shechting the ox, Ruvain will get 200 zoz worth of meat, Shimon will get 100 zoz worth of meat. Look at Rashi. First white line on top of Sadiqim, Rashi. You're literally dividing up the ox. 
By the way, why do you have to say, why, why did Umar say this as a case of they originally bought the animal to, to plow and now they're going to go ahead and shecht it? Just say they bought it to shecht, you divide it up according to with investment because it's a Chiddush Rashi says. Even if they entered into the partnership for the purpose of purchasing an ox for plowing purposes, right? In which case they were going to be 50-50 partners and now they decided let's shecht it and divide up the meat even though now things have transitioned, ultimately, again, they split in accordance with their investment. So I will say, this is wild. This is absolutely wild. So here we go. So just let's just review this idea. So Shmuel comes along and says, Reuven and Shimon are investing money in a partnership, right? Reuven, 200. Shimon, 100. To purchase an ox for plowing purposes. The ox now generates income. How do they share? What's the profit-sharing agreement? What's the profit-sharing agreement? 50-50. Why? So Rav explains why. Well, Rav explains, sorry. Why? Because halacha even though they invested different amounts, Ruvain's, Ruvain's high, higher investment would be meaningless without Shimon's lower investment. Shimon's lower investment would be meaningless without Ruvain's higher investment. Therefore, again, because they are both indispensable partners in the dynamic activity of the ox, they share in profits and losses 50-50. But says Rabbah, if they're actually going to shecht the animal and literally divide up the animal, pieces of the animal, then in that case, they will divide up in accordance with their investment. Incredible. Rav Hamuna argues. Rav Hamuna Amar, no, Afidu Sharla Harisha, the Omilatricha, Haskarla Emsa. So this is pretty wild. Rav Hamuna says it's natural, even if they're going to shack the animal. Even if they're going to shack the animal, ultimately, again, they go ahead and they divide up the animal equally. They divide up the animal equally. Pretty incredible. So we'll say, so this, so this is the Machlokas. So here we go. So Mesve, let's analyze. So Shnayim Shetil Lukis Zeman of Zeman Saim Haskar Lemsa. So we'll say, Nadigmar Kotzar Mishnah. And what did our Mishnah say? Two people invest money into a business, Reuben and Shimon, right? And ultimately, Reuben invested 100, Shimon invested 200. Uh, okay, I was reversing it. What's the halacha? Haskar Lemsa. So we'll say, what does it mean, Haskar Lemsa? So literally, again, profits are split down the middle. My love, are we not talking about a case where they originally purchased an ox for what purpose? To go ahead and to go ahead and plow. And then they decided to shaft it. So now, say, now they're literally dividing up the animal. And yet still, what does the Mishnah say? The Mishnah says, ultimately, again, I'm sorry, the Braisa says, which means that they're dividing it up equally, even if what? Even if they're shafting it, that refutes Rabbah's position. Seems to side with Rav Hamnuno's position. No, no, no. We're talking about a case where they bought an ox for plowing purposes, and the ox is going to be used for plowing purposes. That's the case where they will split all profits and losses right down the middle. Aval, but I will say, if they bought an ox for plowing and then decided to shaft it, my, what's the halacha? Zeno telefima osav, vizeno telefima osav. Everyone takes literally in accordance with the amount of money that he's invested. Okay. Says, if that's the case, if that's the case, adetoni seifa. I will say, let's look at the end of that b'risa. And what does the end of the b'risa say? Lokach zeh b'shalo, vizeh b'shalo. I will say, it's another interesting case, another interesting partnership case. Let's say, Reuven went ahead, Look at Rashi. 
לקח זה בשלו שברים בריאים במסעים, וזה בשלו שברים כחושים במונה. We'll say, watch this case. Reuven went ahead and bought with his own money healthy oxen for 200 zuz. Shimon bought with his own money, so weak, weaker oxen, thinner oxen for 100 zuz. Okay. Vinisarvu. And I will say, it's great. What does Nisarvu mean? Right? Nisarvu means they made a partnership. Made a partnership. Right? You think it means like they got mixed up. No, no. They, they made a partnership. So I will say, so they decided to make a partnership of all of their oxen. Oh, Snebo Sevastalacha. Ultimately, in that case, Ruvain. So th- then the partnership agreement is everyone shares in profits and losses in accordance with their investment. If that's the case, why do you have, don't even bring in this case, but rather again, splice the ratio case. How so? When is this so? When is this so that ultimately again, that ultimately, everyone splits equally. So the Gemara says, when is that so? In other words, we'll say, if you're telling me that the Bryce agrees with Rabbah, namely, that when the ox is being used for some type of dynamic activity, that is when Reuben and Shimon are going to split profits and losses equally, even though their investments are different. But if the ox is going to be shechted, then again, everyone gets in accordance with their investment, the, literally the amount being in accordance with their investment. So then don't bring up this case of the Seifa. So you will say the safest case is illustrating that. Here in this case, Reuven bought healthy oxen with his money. Shimon bought weaker oxen with his money. Then it's Arvu. They made a partnership. Then the Bryce says, oh, in that case, profit and losses are shared in accordance with investment. Why do you have to introduce a new case? If you want to illustrate a case of profit loss sharing in accordance with investment, just say like this, Just say that when they're actually shechting the animal, then in that case, everyone takes in accordance with their investment. To which the Gemara says, That's what it means to say. When is it so that Reuben and Shimon split equally? Even though, even though their investment amounts differ, it's a case ultimately again of what? Of an ox that was, per- that was purchased for plowing and is being used for plowing. Uh, so we'll say, so again, this is, we're, going, we're going now with Shmuel and Rabbah's understanding. That Allah when Reuben and Shimon are investing differing amounts, but what they're using the shore is for some type of dynamic activity, which obviously could not have happened without the investment of either of them, then what? Then halacha lemaisa, they split the profits and losses equally. Because halacha says, since the result cannot have happened without either of their investment, they're looked at as 50-50 partners. However, however, nasa kimisha lakach zebishalo, so that's when they split equally. When they're purchasing an ox and using an ox ultimately for plowing. However, listen to this. If they went ahead, Reuven and Shimon, so we'll say same case. Reuven invested 100, Shimon invested 200. Now originally they bought an ox for plowing purposes. However, but now they're going to shaft it. Now they're going to shaft it. So what's the lakh about saying that case? Naase kimisha lakh zabishalo, fizabishalo, finis arbu. That is so the shrita case is similar to a case 
of Ruvain bought his own herd. Shimon bought his own herd. They went ahead and they got they, they, they combined their resources into a partnership. In that case, profit and losses are split in accordance with investment. So the Shechita case is like that case. And in the Shechita case also, if they're literally slaughtering and dividing up the animal, they will go ahead and split it according to investment. Everyone takes in accordance with his investment. Incredible. So right now, right now, where the Gemara is holding is, Rav and Shmuel are understanding this. So let's just clarify. Rav and Shmuel are understanding that Ruben and Shimon go into business with each other, partnership, they invest differing amounts. So how do we split profits and losses? So the Gemara essentially says, it depends. Rav and Shmuel, Rav and Shmuel, what does it depend on? If they're investing in something which produces a dynamic result. A good example of that would be plowing ox. Where again, the result could not have happened without the investment of both parties. Therefore, in the absence of a stipulated agreement, they share, excuse me, they share in profits and losses equally. However, halacha lamaisa, well, we'll see what the halacha is. However, when ultimately, again, they have invested in an animal and we are quite literally dividing up, physically dividing up that animal. Like now, we invested in a shar, we're going to shecht that shar. How do you go ahead and divide up the meat? In accordance with actual investment. That's what the Gemara is holding right now. Now again, that's in contrast to Rav Hamnuna, where Rav Hamnuna says, no, in every partnership, the default is 50-50, unless otherwise stipulated, even if you have differing investment amounts. Okay, so let's finish this up. So the Gemara says, Tanan, so we'll say again, remember, what was our Mishnah? Let's go back to our Mishnah. What did our Mishnah, did our Mishnah say in our Mishnah? Three guys, Ruben, Shimon, and Levi, all invest in a partnership. And I both said, we are assuming that the case of partnership in the Mishnah is parallel to the case of the Ksuva in the Mishnah. Right? In the case of Ksuva in the Mishnah, what did you have? You had three women, three different Ksuvas. So therefore, what are we automatically assuming? What are we assuming? They're talking about a case of three guys, three partners, Ruben, Shimon, Levi, all of them investing differing amounts. And now what happens? What happens? So, so siru, the business, right, either appreciates or depreciates. Ultimately, again, this is how, this is how they divide up the estate. So the Gemara says, my love, pichso, pichso mamish, hosiro, hosiro mamish. So I will say, does it not mean that literally the estate made money, the estate lost money? And I will say, it sounds like from the Mishnah that how do they divide, how do they divide profits and losses according to their investment? Because we also remember again, the Mishnah's view on Ksuva was how do you pay out Ksuva in accordance with the value of the Ksuva? So the Mishnah sounds like it's paskining, like, right, that the Mishnah's paskining that when they invested differing amounts into the estate, that's how they share in profits and losses. We'll say this is incredible. No, 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 no. Lo, lo, lo. Hosiru zuzi chaditi pichsu astira ditsunisa. And we'll say, let me say this outside, we'll see this. This is absolutely riveting. So you might say like this. No, no. What does it mean when it says it appreciates? The money of the partnership is still there. What it means is they were able to exchange the money for the partnership into better, higher level currency. That's what it means, hosiru. In other words, they didn't make more money it's just the same money that has transformed into a higher level of currency. Or I will say for that matter, when it says they lost money, it doesn't mean they lost money, just the currency which they have was devalued 
and is usable for nothing other. Astiro Dutsunis Shabosai means he used to. Well, let's take a look. Let's take a look at Rashi. Zuzi Chadati Rashi says Shematilin Zuzim Yishanim Vinasnu Vinasnu Bayan Atchinasu Chadashim. Shabosai they took the original partnership capital, a little original partnership capital, and was able to transform that very capital into newer currency. Viyotzin Heim Botsa Hilcha Cholkin Lefi Hamos Dicholchad My Diyav Shakil. So listen, listen to this. This is incredible. What's the case here? Reuven and Shimon and Levi all invested money. Reuven 100, Shimon 200, Levi 300. Okay. So I'll say now they have Zuzim. Let's say through a series of transactions, they were able to upgrade the nature of the currency. Now I will say in that case now, in that case, everyone shares in that currency in accordance with the proportion of their investment. What's the logic of that? What's the logic? What's the logic? Because it's the same investment capital. In other words, we'll say, let me give you an example. Let me give you an example. Imagine the following scene. Right? Ruben and Shimon and Levi. It's very exciting. Ruben and Shimon and Levi, come, right? They come, they, they decide, they're sitting in the sukkah, let's do business. Let's do business. You don't have to transact business in the sukkah also. You should do everything in the sukkah. So we'll say, so what happens? Not invented. Right? So Ruben goes ahead. So they all sit down at the table on Chalamai. Right? Ruben puts 100 zuz down. Shimon puts 200 zuz down. Shit, Levi puts 300 zuz down. They make a lechayim mazel tov to the new partnership. Ruben says, you know what? I had a change of heart. I had a change of heart. We're going to go ahead now and dissolve the partnership. But the, we did that feel me. The lochas, we have to dissolve the partnership equally. Right? Probably incredible. Right? But it's a fantastic investment mechanism. Right? Right? You came in. You came in with 100. Came with 100. And now, after a lechayim, this does happen sometimes after a lechayim. Right? So after a lechayim, you lose money. You make money. So, so, so no, obviously, that doesn't make any sense. Right? Why not? Why not? Because halacha lamaisa. Because halacha lamaisa, we're going to go ahead now and what We're going to go ahead and divide up. In other words, when the partnership capital is there, so ultimately everything is divided in accordance with the actual capital. Everything is divided in accordance with the actual capital. So therefore, again, halacha lamaisa. So right, in other words, if the capital itself is extent, everyone goes ahead and divides up equally. So therefore, Abba the Gemara suggests as follows, that in this case over here, where they took the partnership capital and simply did what? Upgraded the actual capital, there's not, nothing's been transacted with the estate, I'm sorry, with the partnership. So therefore, everyone shares, everyone shares in their amounts equally. So because everyone shares in their amounts, good. Similarly, we'll say if the currency that they were using was devalued, everyone goes ahead and shares in that capital equally. So we'll say, so that's why the Mishnah, the Mishnah's not a riot. The Mishnah's not a case where the actual partnership capital is still there. Nothing's been done. So if nothing's been done, everyone shares in accordance with their actual partnership investment. So we'll say, that's how the sugya ends. That's how the sugya ends. By the way, the example of the, of the capital being devalued, I will say, if you look at Rashi, Rashi says, Istari ditsunisa, shenifsala hamatbeya ve'en yotzeit spotsa. So we'll say this is talking about a case where halacha lamaisa, halacha lamaisa, that that the currency used for the currency used was devalued, and I will say sometimes currency when it's devalued, all it becomes usable for is to put on the wound of a foot. So apparently, again, I guess some of the properties of the coin have certain healing curative abilities. So the currency was devalued. All it's used for is for a wound. So good. So we'll say, so how do we pass Allah So I'll share with you something amazing. So I meant to print it out, but I didn't. Uh, um, let me just pull it up here quickly.
if I have it quickly, because it actually is a fascinating Shulchan Aruch. Shabbos says, now listen to this. So the Shulchan Aruch Paskins, this is in Choshen Mishpat, you can see in Choshen Mishpat, Simen, Simen Kuf Ayin Vav, Sif Hey. Shabbos, here we go, because no, this is an incredible, this is an incredible halacha. Hashutfin Shetilu Lekis. Shabbos, here we go. So partners go ahead and invest, they invest in a, they invest in a property, or they invest in a partnership together. Zemone, Vezema Saim, Vezeshin, so we'll say, so again, Ruben's investing 100, Shimon's investing 200, Levi's investing 300. Or Ruben, Shimon, Levi, good, right? So what happens, we'll say, then it's asking, cool, mom on stam. Then we'll say, again, Shukhanar points out, no partnership agreements. No partnership agreement. Because obviously, if there's a partnership agreement, there's nothing to talk about. And now they go ahead and either, right? It appreciated, depreciated. Finish to the West So the Gemara says, So we We're going to see like Rav Hamnuna. That in the absence of a stipulated partnership agreement, ultimately, Everything, all profits and losses are split equally among all of the partners. We do not look at the investment capital. Rather, it is split in accordance with just 50-50. 50-50. So the Gemara says, listen to this, get ready, get ready. Now let's say this is true, we pass like Hamnuna. We pass like Hamnuna. So whether they're purchasing a shar for plowing purposes or they're purchasing a shar ultimately again for slaughter purposes in the absence of a partnership agreement, the halacha is that what? We split everything equally. We split everything equally. However, so again, there is, there is more to this halacha. But bottom line, which is really quite a fascinating halacha, we paskin that in the absence of a stipulated partnership agreement, all partners will share 50-50 or whatever, whatever, equally in losses and profits of the partnership. Obviously, if there is halacha lamaisa partnership agreement, everything is dictated by the, by, by the details of that agreement. Beautiful. Let's see the Mishnah. Misha and Asvedal and Hashem. So we'll say, man is married to four women, four women, Apparently, there was Tchir Samesim since the last Mishnah. Right, so, I'll say, so what happened? He's married to four women. Now, in this case, over here, I'll say, as Rashi points out, the Ksuvas have different dates. So, Umes, and then he dies. Harishona Kodemes Lishnia. Ultimately, again, the first wife takes precedence to the second wife. Ushnia Lishlishis. Second wife takes precedence over the third. Ushlishis Lerevius. Third wife before the fourth. So, I'll say, so again, this is all where their Ksuvas have different dates. First wife has earlier date, second wife has later date, so on and so forth. Rishona Mishpas Lishnia. So we're going to see that for the first wife to collect, she has to take an oath that she, ha- that she has not previously collected her ksuba. She has, so wife one takes that oath to wife two. Shnia Lishlishis. Wife two takes that oath to wife three. Shlishis Lerevius. Wife three takes that oath to wife four. Aye, what about wife four? Varevius Nifra Shalobish Wife number four collects her ksuba even without a shavua. Because wife number four was the last one, ultimately she gets to collect without a shvua. She'll say, understand the shvua over here is a shvua that the wife has to swear she has not previously collected her ksuva money from any other source. 
So the Gemara says, listen to this. What happens if all the Ksuvas were dated exactly the same day? And I will say, then we look at what hour they got married. Let's say again, so we look at the hour. So in other words, if all the Ksuvas were dated on the same date, we look at maybe who's earlier in the day. And I will say, listen to this. The Kachayu Kosim Yushalayim shows. I will say, in Yushalayim, they wouldn't just put the date of the Ksuva, but rather what? They would put the time of the Ksuva as well. Hayu Kulan Yotos Bishal Achos. So I will say, what happens if all the Ksuvas? Have the same date, have the same time. Ein sham elamana cholkos b'shava. Then I will say ultimately that reverts back to the last mishnah. Then again, if there's only a limited amount of money in the estate, then Allah said they'll all go ahead and divide equally. I will say shkoyach. Thank you.